morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of St. Luke chapter number 5. The book of St. Luke chapter number 5, we're going to begin reading with verse 1, read down and include verse number 11. Before I read our text this morning, I'd like to acknowledge some people here this morning, some of our dearest uh, friends, friends that were in our church in Midland, and uh, just uh, uh, just love these people. I'm glad they're able to share this service with us, Joe and Gloria Alcala. Glad to have you with us this morning. Amen. In the book of Luke chapter number 5 this morning, I want to begin reading, as I said, in verse number 1. The Bible says, So it was, as the multitude pressed about him, to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when he had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. I want us to look at verse 2 again this morning for our text. It says that Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake. But notice it says, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. What I use for my subject this morning, wash your nets. Wash your nets. Father, I just pray today, Lord, that your anointing, Lord, will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, I pray that you will give us ears on our heart today to hear the word of God. And Father, once we have heard your word, Father, may we put into practice what we have received and heard. Father, all for your glory we pray in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Well, I'd like to begin my message today by making some observations about the story that we just read. The first observation that that I have this morning is simply this. Without Jesus, the fishermen's nets were empty. By the way, the the fill-in-the-blank notes are on the Back of your bulletin if you care to fill them in and follow along. Let me say that again this morning. Without Jesus, the fishermen's nets were empty. With him, their nets were full. 
Now, now this tells me that, that, that I need Jesus in my business. If my nets are empty without Him and they are full with Him, then that means that I need, I need, I need Jesus in my business. But here's what I know this morning. Jesus will only be with me in my business if I do my business with godly principles. The second observation I have here this morning is simply this. Doing things man's way often results in empty nets while doing things God's way results in nets that are full. The third observation that I would like to make about this story is this this morning, and that is God works well with failure. God works well with failure. You see, the, tra- the, the sad truth of the matter is when things are going well for man, he often forgets about God. The children of Israel, they were notorious about forgetting God in the good times. And and they are not an isolated case. It's it's just human nature for us if we're not careful to forget God in the good times. Well, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I don't really need God. I'm doing all right all by myself. And it seems like that it's only in failure does man turn to God. Let me say this this morning. God loves to turn failure into success. He loves to turn failure into success. God can take a broken marriage and He can put it back together. God can take bankruptcy and He can turn it into prosperity. God can take sickness and He can turn it into health. In our story today, Jesus turned torn empty nets into nets overflowing with fish. God works well with failure. You say, well, pastor, where was God when I was, you know, when I was trying to fix my marriage? Or where was God when I was trying to fix my bankruptcy? Well, listen, listen, God will do it all by himself, but he needs our help as well. And not just our help, but if you're in marriage, amen, there's two people trying to work it out. But the truth of the matter is God works well with failure. And if you're in failure this morning, no matter what it might be, if you're in failure this morning, I've got good news for you today. You're in the right place today because God works incredibly well in failure. And then the fourth observation that I that I want to make about this this morning and that is simply this. Jesus took them into shallow water first. He took them into shallow water first. Only after they obeyed, only after they followed him into shallow water, only then did he take them into deep water. Now that's, uh, that's pretty good right there. You need to get a hold of that this morning. You see, so often we are, we are disappointed when God leads us into shallow water. We are disappointed in the meager assignment that God gives to us. Uh, uh, we want to do great things. Oh, we want to swim in deep water. We want to fish in, in deep water. And yet God takes us into shallow water. But before Jesus takes us into the deep water, He first tests our humility. He first will test our obedience by leading us first into shallow water. 
I'll never forget as a very young minister, I wanted to do great things. I wanted to do mighty things. I wanted to do big things. And yet the only doors that God were open for me were little bitty, tiny, little meager things. And I was discouraged and I was disappointed because I had this drive and I had this desire and I wanted to get out in the deep and I wanted to do something awesome and incredible for God. But before God was going to put me out into the deep water, first of all, He was going to test my humility and He was going to test my obedience and my willingness to go with Him in the shallow water. If we humble ourselves and follow him into the shallow water, if we prove ourselves faithful and willing in the shallow water, in time, when he thinks that we are ready, he will lead us into the deep water. Verse 4, Jesus said to them, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. All right, that's sermon number one this morning. If the ushers will come, we'll take another offering for sermon number two this morning. All right, that's sermon number one this morning. Now let's get to sermon number two this morning. I, I, I want to point out five things that I see in this story. Five things that I see in this story. Number one, the first thing that I see here is preparation. The first thing that I see is preparation. Back to verse two, our text. The Bible said that Jesus saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them, notice, and they were washing their nets. First thing I see is preparation. The disciples had fished all night long. And because they had fished all night long, their nets were dirty. Because they had fished all night long, their nets were filled with twigs and debris and seaweed. If the nets were going to be ready to fish the next night, then the nets must be washed. See, see, the disciples were through fishing for that night, but they were busy. They were busy with preparation for the next night of fishing. See, see, I, I just want to uh, confess something this morning. I, I, I always saw the disciples as failures there. I always saw them. Here they are. They fished all night long, and, and they have absolutely nothing in their net. And I just always saw them as as failure, until I got the thought of the matter was, no, they were not failure. They might have failed that night. They might have come up empty that night. But they're not failure because look what they're doing. They didn't just walk away from their nets and leave it. No, they are washing their nets. They are preparing. They're going back out the next day. Big difference. Big difference. In January of this year, as most of you know, that if you've been around here very long, that at the end of every year I get alone with God and I just ask the Lord what He wants to do in the coming year. And sometimes God tells me and sometimes He doesn't. Sometimes God will give me a theme. Sometimes God will tell me to declare, uh, you know, uh, that year for some particular thing. And, and as I was uh, last October, November, and December, as I was getting alone with God and I was seeking the Lord and asking the Lord for what He wanted us for the year of 2013, I felt like that the Lord spoke to me and he said to declare to the church that 2013 would be a year of preparation. A year of preparation. That we were supposed to spend this entire year in preparation for what God wants to do with us at the grace place. 
Now, I have been pushing and I have been prodding the builder and, and I've been twisting his arm and I've been jumping up and down and I've been telling him we need, to, we need to be moved in by the 1st of October. I need to quit paying rent on this building and I need to be out of it by the end of September. And in my mind was, because I know this because it's not my first rodeo, I knew that we wouldn't, just, we wouldn't just move out of one building into another building and have this big grand opening. I knew that we need a period of time, a few weeks, to adjust ourselves to the new building, to work out all the kinks and the flaws and, and all of that, to figure out how to run the lights over there and how to run the sound and the temperature. You know, you know in one building you can set it on one temperature, in another building you can set it on the same temperature, but it will not be the same effect. Every building is different in every way. And so I knew, I knew that we needed some time in between the time that we moved in until the time that we had our grand opening. I also knew that if it got too far into the year, if it got past about the second Sunday of November, that that wouldn't be any good after that to have a grand opening because after that, you, after the middle of November, then you have Thanksgiving and everybody's all about Thanksgiving. And it goes right from Thanksgiving into Christmas. And everybody's all about Christmas. So, so it would not be a good deal. It would not be a good thing to have our grand opening any later in the year than like the second Sunday in November. And so I've been pushing, 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 pushing. Can I get vulnerable with you this morning? I don't need anybody to feel sorry for me. I'm not, I don't need anybody, I don't need any applause, don't need a plaque. But this has been a very, very draining, emotional time for me the last year or so. It's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. And it's almost a weekly thing that I find, discover a problem and help solve it. It's been a grind. And I'm tired. Not so tired physically as I'm tired emotionally. I'm tired mentally. And to be quite honest with you, and this is, sounds terrible, but I'm just being vulnerable with you this morning. I, I, uh, I, I was dreading Dreading the grand opening. Because I know after we have our grand opening, people are going to come. I mean, there are going to be a bunch of people come. I know that in my heart and in my spirit. And here I am with an empty tank. Running on empty emotionally. And then I'm facing this grand opening. And all these people coming in. And we only got one shot. And I tell you every once in a while God speaks to me. You know what? He doesn't speak to me every day. And he doesn't tell me what to wear and all that stuff. But every once in a while God does speak to me. And Wednesday, as I was having my prayer walk, the Lord spoke to me. And the Lord said, and I was praying about the grace place. And the Lord reminded me. And he said, what did I tell you about 2013? 
I said, well, Lord, you told me to declare it a year of preparation. God said, a what? A year. A year of preparation. Not 10 months of preparation. Not 11 months of preparation. Not nine and a half months. A year of preparation. God knows what we need, doesn't he? Before we even, before we know it, he knows what we need. So here's what I believe is the Lord's will. I really do believe it's the Lord's will for us. We're going to move into the grace place the moment we get our certificate of occupancy. And I'm still going to push for that to be the 1st of October. Quite honestly, it might be another week or two into October. Maybe, I hope not. Whenever we get in. Whenever we get in. We're not going to have our grand opening until the middle of January. We're going to spend all of 2013 in a year of preparation, just exactly what the Lord told us to do. So when we get in the building, whether that's the 1st of October, middle of October, whenever that is, we'll have several weeks to continue to prepare. Because listen, how many understand, how many understand that it's going to take, it's going to take some time to discover how to run the lights and how to run the sound and what to set the temperature on and where to put everybody. Oh yeah, we have a general plan. Yes, we plan, plan, plan. But I want to tell you, and I'll tell you, I've known this many times. You can put something on paper that you can't make happen. So even though you had a good plan to start with, you've got to tweak the plan. You've got to change the plan. And so it's going to take us several weeks in the grace place to decide, where's this one going to meet? Where's that one going to meet? Where's this one going to meet? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? How are we going to do something else? And I'll tell you something else that it's going to do. It's going to help get me ready. Because once we move in, And we start having services. Then I can relax a little bit. Amen. And I can refuel a little bit. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'll have a few weeks to recharge my, my batteries and, 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 and have a little mini sabbatical and, and, and get my mind and my heart and my spirit and my body and everything ready. Amen. Because listen, 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 I, I'm looking towards I'm looking towards the next ten years. See, for many years my wife and I have been praying every single day, God, let our latter years be greater than our former years. And that's going to happen because God answers prayer. But listen, I cannot let those ten years that are facing me, I can't start them with an empty tank. How many think the Lord might be in this this morning? Amen. Amen. And so we have... Some time to prepare our hands and to prepare our hearts. Ministry leaders, what are you doing to prepare for the growth that is coming in your ministry? And it is coming in your ministry. Whether or not you keep it there or not is going to be up to you and whether you have made your preparation or not. Let me be clear this morning, then we'll move on this morning. Wow, that took a lot longer. We're going to move into our new building as soon as it is complete. 
But we won't have our grand opening until the middle of January. The disciples, back to the notes, the disciples, they washed their nets in preparation for the next night's fishing. We, we, we must prepare our hearts and our hands for our next assignment. The first thing that I see in this story is I see preparation. The second thing that I see, I see is examination. Examination. Back to verse 2. They were washing their nets. That's interesting. The word translated washing in the Greek is pluo. P-L-U-O. It also means inspecting. It means mending. It means repairing. So the disciples were not just washing their nets, but they were examining their nets. Why had they fished all night and caught absolutely nothing? Was there a problem with their nets? Was it their equipment that was the problem? Were there holes in their nets? Had they indeed caught some fish, but the fish that swam into the nets could also swim out of the nets. In this year of preparation, we need to take time and examine our nets. Are there holes in our net? Are our nets worn out? Do we need to get us some new nets? Ministry leaders, listen to me this morning. Examine your nets. Examine your methods. Examine your equipment. Examine your gear. Examine your workers. Are they trained? Are they equipped? Are they tired? Look in your hands. What has God given you to work with? Are you making full use? Of what God has placed in your hands? Are you making full use of all of your talents? Are you making full use of all of the people that God has given to you? Are you making full use of the tools that He has made available to you? Wash your nets. Inspect them. Mend them. Repair them. And after you look in your hands, then look in your heart. Maybe the problem is not with your hands at all, but maybe the problem was with your heart. Oh, God has given us a year to prepare our hearts. We're going to be the grace place. A place of grace. That's a stretch for some of you. I know you. Is there anything in your heart that Would tear a hole in your net? Is there unforgiveness in your heart? Is there prejudice in your heart? Look around in here this morning and hang around to the second service and look around. I want to tell you if you have if you have prejudice, you're not going to do well here. Is there arrogance in your heart? The disciples were washing their nets. They were examining their nets. Oh, they were repairing them. They were getting them. They were getting rid of all the, of the debris that was in their 
casting nets. Oh, oh they were trying to, to uh, discover whatever was wrong with their nets that might have resulted in empty nets the night before because, you see, they wanted to make sure that they were not going to be looking into empty nets again the next night. The word for all of us here today is this. If we are not satisfied with today's catch, we better do something about our nets. Wash your nets. Clean them. Repair them. Find the holes and sew them up. Third thing that I see in this little story is I see exasperation. Exasperation, verse 5. Simon Peter said to Jesus, we have toiled all night and we have caught nothing. I tell you that sometimes we can do all the right things and still end up with empty nets. You guys are really, really slow this morning. I said sometimes we can do all the right things and we can still end up with empty nets. These guys in this story, they were professional fishermen. They knew how to fish. They knew where to fish. They knew when to fish. They made their living catching fish. But after applying every trick of the trade, they still ended up with empty nets. Until, until Jesus showed up. Without Him, the nets were empty. With Him, their nets were full. And maybe you're here this morning and your nets are empty and you, oh, like the disciples were, you are, you are exasperated. You are, you are frustrated this morning. Maybe you're ready to wave the white flag. Oh, you're ready to throw in the towel. Maybe you're ready to stay down for the count. Let me encourage you today. Cast your net one more time. But this time, do it as an act of faith and as an act of obedience. Because what do you have to lose? You already have empty nets. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be exasperated. We all get that way every once in a while. But it's not okay to quit. The disciples were exasperated, but they didn't quit. They were washing their nets and they were getting prepared for the next night of fishing. The fourth thing that I find in this little story is determination. Verse 2 again, finding all of this in verse 2. They were washing their nets. Although they had failed that night, they were making plans to try again the next night. See, determination is a key ingredient in success. In the recipe for success, you cannot leave out determination. May I say that the main reason why the people that succeed and the people that rise above their peers, the main reason for that is simply determination. It's simply the fact that they get up every single time they get knocked down. Simply the fact is they just keep showing up and just keep on clocking in. The fact of the matter is they just, they just never fail to answer the bell for the next round. Oh, they're like the Energizer Bunny. They just keep going and going and going and going. Oh, they may not be as talented as the next guy. Oh, they may not be as educated as the next guy. They may not have friends in high places to pull them up. But by pure determination, they just keep grinding it out. If you know me very well, you know that I love to play golf. It's my only hobby. I don't hunt. I don't fish. 
I don't shop. <laughs> but I'm really not that good. I don't hit the ball very long. Almost everybody I play golf with hits the ball 10, 20, some 40 and 50 yards past me. I don't have a good swing. I don't have the mechanics down right. But at the end of the round, most often, I'm hardly ever on the bottom. A lot of times I'm on the top. A lot of times I'm second. Usually that's where I'm at, about first or second. See, if you're too good, I won't play with you. That's part of it. (laughs) But at the end of the round, even if I lose, I'm usually one, two, three strokes from the guy at the top who hits the ball 20 yards past me, who has a much purer swing than I do, has the mechanics down a lot better than me. All I do is hit the ball and grind. In fact, I think on the golf course, I sh- my new nickname should be Pastor Grind. And the guys that play golf with me will say amen. I've described my golf game. But at the end of the day, I'll beat those suckers. If I don't, I'll get close. If you keep score, that gives you another stroke or two. I'm teasing. I really don't do that. Hey, my pure determination, just grinding it out, just showing up, clocking in. Amen. Answering the bell, getting up every time you knock down, just grinding it out. Amen. 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 And think about this. It was by pure determination that the snail made it to the ark. (laughs) Proverbs 12 and 24 says the hand of the diligent will rule. Verse 27 says diligence is man's precious possession. The last thing that I see in this story, number five this morning, I see is dedication. Dedication. Verse four and five. And when he had stopped speaking, Jesus said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Jesus said, Peter, cast, take the boat out into the deep and cast your nets. And Peter said, what? What? Go back out there? Been there. Done that. Bought the t-shirt. Lord, we've been all over this lake. We've been at this all night and we are tired and we are discouraged and we are upset. And besides all of that, Lord, we have already washed our nets. They've been rolled up and put away and they're ready for tomorrow night. 
And if we go back out there and we fish some more, we're going to have to wash our nets again and we're tired. We don't want to do it. Lord, you are sure asking for a lot. But Lord, if you tell us to, Lord, if you say so, we will. See, I believe, and you can believe whatever you want, preach any way you want to, and you're preaching. But I totally believe that it was because of pure dedication and that alone that motivated Peter and his gang to obey Jesus. I don't think they had an ounce of faith at all. I don't think they expected to catch anything. They owned up to it because the Bible says at the end of the story they were astonished. Couldn't believe it. If they had faith that when they cast the net they were going to get some fish, they wouldn't have been astonished at the catch. They didn't have an ounce of faith. They did not go back out into the deep and cast their net one more time. They didn't do it because that they were great men of faith. fact is, at least in my version, the Bible says that Jesus told them to cast their nets. Plural. Verse 4. But verse 5, Peter says, okay, we'll let down the net. Singular. Again, showing that they don't have any faith. They're not really believing. They're going to get some fish. Because they only cast one net and not several nets. It wasn't faith that got Peter and the bunch back out into the, out into the deep to fish again. No, no. No, I believe it was dedication. It was because of their love for their master. Their love for their master compelled them to want to please him. And maybe that describes you this morning. Oh, oh, you may not have one ounce of faith. I mean, I mean, you may not even be able to muster up even one ounce of faith this morning. Your faith is so low that you do not have the strength to cast your net even one more time. Let me challenge you this morning. If your faith is low today, and if your faith will not motivate you today, how about your dedication? How about your dedication? How about your love for your master? How about your desire to please him? Peter said to Jesus, Jesus, my head says no, but my heart says yes. My head tells me it's not the right time to fish. You fish at night. It's not the right time. And we've already been out there where he told us to go. Jesus, my head says no, but my heart says yes. And so not because of my head, but because of my heart. Not because of my faith, but because of my love for you and my desire to please you, Jesus, I will let down the net. If we could have the musicians and singers back in place very quickly and very quietly. The title of my message today is Wash Your Nets. I believe that this is a word for us, New Bethel. It's a word for us as a church family, but I also believe that it is a personal word to somebody here today. It is a word of confirmation about something that God has already been speaking to you personally about. Father, I just pray today that you will take this word that has been shared this morning. 
God, take this word that you have been that, we, that has been shared today. God, I believe that this is a this is a word from the Lord to us today. It is a word for us, New Bethel today. But it's also a word for our people today, individually. God, I pray that you will help us today to receive this word and appropriate this word today. Everyone standing with me this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to call everyone to the front this morning. I believe that we all, every one of us here this morning, we need to wash our nets. We need to inspect our nets this morning. We need to inspect our hearts. And we need to inspect our hands. And we need to look into our nets this morning. And we need to repair the holes that we find in our net that that allows what we catch in our nets to escape. For some of you, it's not the fact that you cannot catch fish. It's the fact that you cannot keep them. It's not that you don't draw people into your ministry, but for whatever reason, you cannot keep people in your ministry. You need to examine your nets. There might be a hole in your nets this morning. There's something there that allows them. Yes, you catch them. Yes, you get them. But you do not keep them because not only do they swim into your net, but they also swim right out. I promise you people will swim into our nets at the Grace Place. We have our grand opening. And the next few weeks after that, people will come in by the dozens. They will. They'll come in. They'll swim into our net. We built an incredible net. It's awesome. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be worth every bit of what we've gone through. But I don't want them just to swim into our net and then swim right on out. So I want us to examine our nets today. I want us to examine our methods. I want us to examine our hearts. I want us to examine our hands. I want us to discover holes in our nets. And when we discover them, I want us to sew them up. And then I want us to look into our nets and see what is in there. There's maybe some debris in the net. We've allowed some stuff into our net that we can't believe that we would have allowed in our net. Ten years ago, we would have never allowed that into our net. We would never have allowed it into our life. And now we don't even think anything about it. There's debris in our net. There's stuff in our net that doesn't need to be in our net. We need to discover what it is and we need to clean it out. And we need to prepare our hearts and prepare our hands for the multitude that is about to come in to our nets. So I'm calling everyone this morning forward this morning. Let's move very quickly this morning. Come on, everyone. Let's come this morning. It's time to wash our nets today. Time to wash our nets. Time to get ready. Time to get prepared. For the multitude, the catch that the Lord is going to bring into our nets. We want them not only to swim into our net, but we want to keep them and not allow them to get away. Amen. Begin to examine your nets this morning. Begin to examine your, examine your life. Examine, examine uh, your ministry. Are you doing your ministry on autopilot? You've been doing it so many years. Ah, you know, I know how to do this. Are you in a rut? Are you behind the times and methods? Time to examine your net today. Get ready. Get prepared for the 
catch is coming our way. Amen. Examine your net this morning. Give you time one-on-one with the Lord. Next few minutes, take advantage of it, please.